strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm very important. Uh, I have any leather-bound book, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. I, I'm friends with Merlin Olsen, too. He comes over on occasion. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to uh, Strange Things Are Foot at the Circle K. I am an everyday American, Johnny Doe. Uh, I just completed a UFC podcast last night, right after the Shevchenko versus Pena fight. Um, and I alluded to Conor McGregor doing an interview with Ariel Hawani, a little pay per view interview that he did. Um, at that time that I did the podcast, I, I had, hadn't watched it, and I said some things in the podcast that were just based on what I heard, what uh, was being reported on, and I just wanted to expand on that a little bit or or uh, possibly correct the record of my opinion of what was said. Because once I watched it, which I just com- finished watching it, <clears throat> I realized Conor McGregor didn't say, well, he said the things that were reported, but they were taken completely out of context. I don't know why in 2017 I'm ever reading some, you know, one sentence quote and believing that um, there's actual journalism in the world or that people report on this shit correctly. Um, Very irritating to me because when I went to school, I was a journalism major and, uh, you know, this is not journalism, what I'm doing now. It's, it's uh, having, you know, an opinion, but you can't just take a quote completely out of context. You've got to, you know, as a journalist, you're supposed to put it into context. So that's, it's very irritating when people give little sound bites or little quotes and, and, uh, just to, just to kind of stir some shit. And that's what this podcast is going to be about is, uh, that press conference or excuse me, it's not really a press conference. And it was an interview done by Ariel Hawani, who I do like, I am going to, um, go after him a little bit. Uh, in this because I do have some a bone to pick with uh, Ariel not that he knows who I am or will he ever and will he give a shit but just as a fan I always like to speak from a fan standpoint not as a competitor not as not as somebody that is trying to steal his limelight but just you know um, I just want to say my opinion just based on what I see just from a fan standpoint okay Uh, let me Take a, a swig of my beautiful NOS drink. Uh, sorry, I just woke up, so I'll be clearing my throat a little bit. I'll try not to do it right into the microphone. Okay, so Conor McGregor had a um, interview, pay-per-view, um, which instantly kind of irritated me in the sense of... Uh, I was under the impression that he was... You know, he's just trying to, I don't know. It's just, it was just, it's just kind of weird to have a pay-per-view interview, right? Um, it's like, hey, I'm not going to fight. I want to stay relevant and I still want to make money. I get it. I, I, I do love that he does media. I don't want to contradict myself too much and I know I, I probably will. But, um, you know, I, I lambasted Ronda Rousey for not doing media. So I, you know, I, I, I love, that's one thing I love about Conor McGregor. And I will preface, I did burp, yes. I will preface this by saying uh, I'm a Conor McGregor fan, but I'm the type of fan, I like to root against him. Um, uh, there, I mean, there's times that I, I would like to see him win, but, I'm, you know, I, I wanted to see Nate Diaz um, beat him, and I'm, I'm glad I got to see that. And uh, the second fight, um, I still think Nate Diaz got the best of Conor McGregor when you combine the two fights because... Um, you know, finishing somebody and then in the second fight going the distance in a split decision to me, you're still the winner in that. Uh, that's, that's the public perception, at least that I have, but I also have biased against Conor McGregor because, uh, you know, he's just, um, I don't know. He, he just is, uh, very boisterous. And so, uh, sometimes I have issues with people just being, um, I don't know. For some reason, he's he's uh, tended to rub me the wrong way. Uh, 
but I respect him as a fighter. I love to watch him fight. He does crack me up. I, I love his promos that he cuts. I mean, so I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on, I'm a fan obviously, but I, I don't know if I'm rooting for him or against him at times, but that's, what's great about the sport is, is, um, you know, you're either rooting for somebody or you're rooting against, but either way you're going to watch. And, and that's what makes him probably the greatest, um, promotional, from a promotional standpoint, the greatest UFC fighter, because you can always promote his fights because he's compelling to watch. That's why people paid uh, money to watch his interview. That's why people showed up to watch him interviewed. People care. And if, if people don't care, kind of like what I talked about last night in the UFC talk episode two, that if, if you can get people to care, now you have some negotiating power. Well, Conor McGregor obviously has negotiating power because people give a shit about what he has to say and give a shit to watch him fight. So it's a win-win there, so kudos to him. But back to the context of this. <clears throat> Ariel Hawani interviewed him. Who <clears throat> Ariel Hawani is another person that I have mixed feelings about that there's, there's times that I, that I really love Ariel Hawani and he, he does very good reporting, but then there's other times, uh, like this time that you can just tell that he is not a true journalist and he likes to, and the only reason I, I say that is because he likes to, um, you know, when the UFC kicked him out of an event, told him to get the f- fuck out of here, he, uh, whined and complained and, and used the journalist card of, I learned this in journalism school. I learned this. Um, I have all the these uh, ethics when it comes to media. And he is a gossip reporter. That's what he's turning into. He's not an MMA reporter most of the time. He has three hours to fill on his show a week. And then various articles that he writes or other... Um, either podcasts or uh, YouTube channels that he, that he tries to support and MMA fighting and all that stuff. So um, I get it. I'm not, I'm not hating on him for that. But what I don't like is when I was reading Twitter last night and I see stuff out of context, and then later when I see it in context and then you see how the person was kind of, um, oh, uh, twisting the, uh, twisting it around a little bit, trying to, trying to, he was kind of prodding Connor for some, for some dirt. And we'll kind of get into that here in a second. Let me start off with saying that what I thought this interview was going to be about, um, in the sense of him just trashing the UFC, trashing the MMA fans, uh, uh, trashing, um, all the fighters and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> he was definitely trashing the fighters, but he was not trashing the fans, and he definitely wasn't trashing the UFC. He was giving a lot of respect for a guy that has this much power. He gave a lot of respect to Lorenzo Fertitta, Dana White, and the UFC, and even WME. And Ariel Juani was going out of his way to try to start and stir up some shit. <sighs> you know... Um, in my previous podcast, I talked about uh, being a hate fan of the uh, Housewives show, the Beverly Hills, what's it called? Uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills and the Vanderpump show that I that I like to watch it to hate on those people because they just piss me off and it's uh, it's kind of fun to, to see how these people that think they're just killing it in the world and, and they're just, they, I mean... They're miserable. You can tell they fucking just drink like fishes every fucking day and stab each other in the back, talk so much shit about each other. They're not happy people. But Ariel Hawani is like, wants some housewife shit to go on with the UFC. Instead of just reporting on uh, what I find to be extremely compelling, which is just the real stories of the fighters the struggles that the fighters go through and the compelling emotions that go into the sport of fighting. But Ariel Hawani wants some 
uh, tabloid shit talking behind the scenes housewives bullshit. You know, he started the interview talking to Conor McGregor about, you know, Floyd Mayweather and all this stuff, but he keeps his, his questions are loaded. And when, when he talks about journalist integrity, there's something called leading questions. You're trying to get something. You're it's, it's, it's not a open-ended question. You're, you're steering somebody to try to get uh, a, a certain, a certain response, you know, not, is this going on? But what did you think when you heard this? And some of it was was um, was true that, that that there there was that story in the media, and some of it was created by people like him. Um, I made some notes here, uh, just uh, about some of the, the conversations that were that were had. Uh, this this interview it was a good interview. Uh, Conor McGregor, like I said, I'm I'm not a huge fan, but you know, uh, there's times like this where I watch him where I, I gain a lot of respect for him because he has so much power, he has so much media presence, and um, lack of a better term, he is as humble as I guess somebody worth twenty five million dollars can be in the sense of he does give credit a lot to his coach. He gives credit to his training partners. He gives credit to Nate Diaz for 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 choking him out. He gives credit to uh, the organization of the UFC to the fight fans, which is the big thing for me. When fighters turn on the fans, uh, fuck them. I, I have no remorse for them once they turn on the fans. I'm not talking about turn on the fans that are just kind of trolls and and shitheads, but I mean the true MMA fans like myself that I'm not a I'm not a somebody that 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 goes over someone's house to watch a pay-per-view i buy that shit every fucking time um <clears throat> but everything else that comes out of conor mcgregor's mouth for the most part you can tell there's a promotional angle he's trying to stir up some media and and, and that's great that's great for the sports great for the ufc everybody wins so i i get that but then there's ariel hawani who who wants he doesn't he doesn't want um, the promotion, he's, he's not trying to promote something. He's actually got an ax to grind. He actually has a hard on for the UFC and, and Dana White. And it's very transparent to me. Uh, like I said, I've been a fan for a long time. And so I've been watching and I've always been Ariel Hawani fan. And probably in the last year, ever since the, uh, him getting ousted from Fox and then later ousted from an event and banned from the UFC. And then he fucking went on a, went on a little whiny press tour and then all of a sudden they invited him back. Um, ever since that whole fucking thing, I've kind of been turned off by, by him. And the reason is, is that he takes his own personal opinions about the UFC and Dana White. And then he'll take some facts like no matter if it's the unions or some controversy about pay or money or this and and that's what he focuses on to to um kind of feed his own agenda of criticizing the ufc as a whole and i don't quite understand it because as a fan i've never understood why people are against the ufc I don't understand how you could be a fan of the UFC, but at the same time be trying to tear them down. Now, I'm not saying that you got to just drink the Kool-Aid and and if you if if there's something out there that the organization isn't doing correctly or somebody's getting screwed over, uh, I, I get it. You know, I'm a fan of other uh, sports organizations and, and things like that, and so I so I understand that you can be mad about how that they run things and. Uh, uh, treat their employees or their contractors or whatever. So I, I so I get all that stuff, but to the point where it almost looks like that you're wanting them to fall, you're wanting them to be damaged, you're wanting them to lose money or to be hurt or someone else have 
more power. I, I don't I don't get that. And Ariel Hawani likes to stir shit. He likes to try to get in the fighters' heads about like you got to have my back, you got to have I'll have your back, and it's like us against the UFC. And sometimes it doesn't work. And this is one of the instances that it didn't work for him. Um, you know, he was asking about uh, like the media blackout about Ronda Rousey, which I agree with Ariel Hawani and that, um, you know, it's a mistake that Ronda made. But where we differ is where he turned it into the UFC is um, uh, the UFC is showing favoritism. And if you heard my podcast before, any of them, I always make references to, you know, power of negotiation. And if Ronda Rousey has enough power that she can say, I don't want to do any fucking media, then if both parties say that that's fine, then that's, it is what it is. And we can be mad at Ronda Rousey, but how can you ever be mad at an organization saying that they're making this person do this? Like Ariel Hawani constantly is like, you know, you're making these guys do too much press. You're doing this and they're asking you to do this. And, uh, you know, and then when Ronda goes the other way, now he's against that. And so it's like, it just seems like he's always against whatever the UFC does. No matter if it's promotion, he's against it. Or if it's media blackout, he's against it. Um, you know, he just has an axe to grind with Dana White, I think, more than anything. Um, but Connor came back and said, pretty much, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, uh, you know, yeah, it's probably a mistake for her to not do that. But, um, you know, and, and, and Ariel, you know, then follows up the question by going, well, are you going to demand that in your next fight not to do promotion? And pretty much Conor McGregor Gregor acknowledged something that I've thought all along is Conor McGregor is extremely smart. He knows he got there because of his promotional ability. I mean, for God's sakes, he, he's going to start his own promotion company. So obviously he knows how to promote. So why the fuck would he ever want to go, I'm not going to talk to the media? And Arahwani is trying to get him to be like, hey, the UFC gave Ronda something, but they're not giving it to you. It's like, hey, man, why don't you fucking stay out of it? What what is that? What are you reporting on? You're reporting on nothing. There there's enough things about the Ronda Rousey thing that you can just focus that on Ronda Rousey. That you don't need to um, get an opinion of another fighter. Okay, I, I get that. But but you're you're taking it to another level when you're trying to you're you're trying to imply uh, of an unfair treatment. Ariel Hawani brought up, um, you know, after he won two. Uh, the, the second belt against Alvarez and the UFC didn't have that second belt ready. ready. What do you think? And, and he actually asked him, what do you think that was all about? Do you think that they were trying to teach you a lesson or do you think they were trying to tell you something? It's like, holy shit. You know, does this guy not understand that when somebody wins a fucking world championship in another weight division, Okay, that belt is wherever it's at. Is it at home, on the plane, in a fucking trophy case, whatever? I mean, it, is that person going to carry that belt with them? There was only one belt that was on the line, and Conor McGregor didn't have that belt. Why would he have the 145 belt with him? Why would he have the 145-pound belt with him? Why? Why would he, why would he have that? Well, this is why he would have it, because he wants to stand on the cage with two fucking belts. So if if he wanted that, then he should have provided it. The UFC can provide two belts. I'm sure if it was negotiated and, hey, make sure to have fucking two belts and because and, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But, but make no mistake, the other belt wasn't up for grabs, so maybe you should bring that one. Because the UFC is not going to have, I mean, they only have one belt to give. It's that 155-pound belt. So to sit there and imply that the UFC is not wanting 
to inflate Conor McGregor's ego <laughs> and let him have his moment of a two-weight world champion. I mean, Ariel Hawani, do you not understand that that fight would have never happened if the UFC didn't make it happen? Obviously, they wanted a two-weight world champion. Obviously, they wanted to promote Conor McGregor. Do you? I mean, they spent millions of dollars promoting him. Why would they want to then knock his dick in the dirt and say, oh, well, we don't want to provide both belts for you? I mean, I don't know all the behind the scenes. I, I'm just a fan. But from a fan standpoint, from the outside looking in, obviously, it, there was some mistake. There was some miscommunication. Because Dana White went back and fucking negotiated with Tyron Woodley, like, can I please use your fucking belt? So obviously he wasn't trying to take the piss out of fucking Conor McGregor. Give me a fucking break. And to sit there and ask, well, what was that about? You're just trying to stir shit up. You you want to try to make something into nothing. You once again have to have this UFC villain. And the fighter is getting... Um, somehow taken advantage of. A, a guy, you know, you can do that with a lot of fighters a lot easier than you can have some dude that's a two-weight world title that's on the cover of fucking magazines that's worth $25 million after only fighting in the UFC for like three years. I don't think you could do that with Conor McGregor. I don't think you can, anyone's going to buy that he's being taken advantage of. <laughs> He got to move around weight classes. He bounces up. He bounces down. He doesn't defend any titles. None. And that goes to my next point when he starts saying, can you believe you? they said that um, it's going to take an army or you said that it's going to take an army to, to take these belts off your shoulder. Has the UFC done this? And have they did? And when, when, when they said that the, made Aldo the champion, did they say anything to you? Did they, you know, and... And even Conor McGregor tried to diffuse that by going, well, you know, we talked about it before, but not afterwards. Well, why would you talk about it afterwards? It's just like a contract. You talked about it before. It was already established that once you go up and wait, whichever one that you don't want to defend, if you don't have any plan to defend both belts, then you have to lose one, of course. And that goes to to my point that Ariel Hawani is not a fan of the UFC. Because if he was a fan of the UFC, like I am, I don't want one, let alone two weight divisions being held up because somebody's sitting on the fucking sidelines for a year for whatever the reason they're sitting on the fucking sidelines. No matter if it's because John Jones fucking popped for something or or uh, Daniel Cormier's fucking injured or Cain Velasquez or whoever else or Conor McGregor's having a fucking baby. You don't want to see that division held up. But when when he's leaving with two belts... And he's not planning on fighting for six months, eight months, a year? Of course, one of those belts, if not both, need to be up for grabs again. How do you not understand that business is not going to stop because Conor McGregor is there? It's mind-blowing to me as a fan that a reporter for uh, of MMA media that's supposed to be the, the bridge between the UFC and the sport of mixed martial arts to the fans has this agenda of acting like the UFC is somehow taking advantage of Conor McGregor. I guarantee this. Nobody... Nobody wants Conor McGregor to defend both titles more than the UFC. But from a business standpoint, you know, having two divisions put on hold because somebody's just sitting on the sidelines, what, 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 uh, what business school did you go to that that makes sense? So it has nothing to do with being against Conor McGregor. It has everything to do with, hey, we at least need one of these titles to be back in circulation so we can promote some other fights. Because the UFC is bigger than Conor McGregor. It's bigger than George St. Pierre. It's bigger than any one fighter. And the sooner people realize that, 
uh, the 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 sooner that they will understand that it's a that it's a business, and that none of these fighters can do it on their own. You need a promotional company, and you're going to find out, and Conor McGregor is going to find out. Um, when he starts his own promotion and stuff like that, that's not that easy. You can't just build it. You can't just put your name on something and it's just going to be huge um, and fighters are going to flock to you and, and blah, 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 blah. You know, um, you, you, you can't have it both ways. UFC is a huge name. They've worked hard to establish that. So they can set some parameters for the belts that they provide in the divisions that they that they still have to they still have to manage those fights. So I I think it's a non-issue the whole you're being stripped of one no he's, he wasn't being stripped and Dana White made that so clear in so many press conferences he's like no we didn't strip him we asked him which one he wanted to give up and he gave up the 145 pound he doesn't intend to defend it. <laughs> And uh, so we're we're gonna move on with it. And the interim belt between, uh, you know, the uh, the lightweight. Well, that's just because Conor McGregor is saying, even in this press conference, that he is not going to step in, inside an MMA arena in 2017. What more do you want, Ariel? He just said that he's. That means it'll be two years since he's uh, since he fought in the 145 division, and it'll be one year since he fought in the 155 pound division. Why the fuck would you not strip somebody once you hear that? If 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 they go and say, hey, Connor, we're going to take the 155 pound belt. And he's like, why? Well, because you're not going to fight for another year. And Connor goes, oh, I'll, I'll fight. Okay, then then there's some negotiating. Okay, well, then we're not going to strip you, obviously. But if, if you have no intention of defending that belt then at the very least, you have to have an interim title. At the very least, you have to do that. And at the very least, you have to get one of those titles back into circulation. Because as an MMA fan, I don't want to watch uh, George St. Pierre retire with the belt, and then three or four years later, we still don't have an actual champion. Well, the real champion is still on the sidelines. That doesn't make any fucking sense. You have to defend to be a champion. You know, there's a saying that you're not a true champion until you defend it. And so, you know, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But <clears throat> so, you know, one, once again, uh, Ariel was asking about WME and implying that uh, they're disrespecting Connor because they haven't met with him yet. And keep and keeps prodding. Like you said that you want a meeting with them. Do you do you want a meeting? And I understand you you need a report on that because he did say it. But you're also digging in trying to get like some beef. Like WME still hasn't done this, and WME is doing this for somebody else, and and not you. Um, you know, he later asked, "Well, you said you want stock in the company. Has they have they ever offered you that?" The the casual fan, and I'm a hardcore fan, but the casual fan doesn't give a shit about this. And I don't know that a lot of hardcore fans do either. I, I just don't give a shit if Conor McGregor gets stock. What I, what I give a shit is when he says that or when he starts making these, these big claims like, I need this, this, and this before I'll ever fight again, then yeah, I care about that because it means there's going to be a dispute and he might not fight for a while. And I hate that. I hate it when an athlete or a fighter gets such a big head that they go, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to hold out. It's uh, It sucks for the sport. It always makes the sport go down when people do that. You know, Ariel Hawani was asking about the, the union. That's It's one of the things that... Uh, that he has always been preaching on his podcast that uh, that these fighters are just not being taken care of and they're almost like slave labor and and um, they need to have a union. They need to unionize. And the reason why they're not unionized was crystal clear once he asked Conor McGregor about the union. 
And Conor McGregor, to paraphrase, said, well, the UFC needs something, but he doesn't need that. I don't know what they need, but that's not for me to worry about because I'm doing my own shit. And everybody needs to realize that you can't just have your hand out and just take a hand out. You got to go get yours. Okay. Now I'm paraphrasing, but he actually said, everybody wants a handout, which he kind of reiterated something that I talked about in my last couple podcasts that you have to earn something. You can't expect someone just to give you something. And if something comes along like a fighter's union or a collective bargaining agreement or whatever, then then somebody needs to, to, to make that stand. And if you are a fan of any other sports, then you understand how that works. And until you get all the fighters that say, we're not going to fucking fight until we get this, that's the only time that something's ever, ever going to change. But guys like Conor McGregor are never going to be for that because if, if the collective, uh, collective bargaining agreement and all that, then he's going to have to take a cut because they can't afford to pay him what they, what they pay him and everybody else. Then his negotiations become a little bit tougher because now it's, it's, it's more of a fair market thing. This is what a first-year fighter gets, a second-year fighter, a third-year fighter. This is blah, 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 blah. So it's, it's, so it's a little bit... Guys like Conor McGregor understand that that's going to hurt them in the end. The best thing that Conor McGregor has done for himself is realizing that that well, those other guys just don't know how to negotiate. And if they did, they would be in an advantageous position like myself. Um, you know, fighters, it, it's a, fighters want to fight. And yes, they need to be compensated. I, I, I completely understand that. But I hate when... Errol Hwani, Luke Thomas, all these MMA journalists <clears throat> always compare the UFC to the NBA or Major League Baseball or NFL. And there's there's so many reasons why that's a false equivalency. Just because they're professional athletes doesn't doesn't mean anything. Just because <clears throat> they're um you know, I, I don't I don't understand why you can't why don't you compare it to fucking tennis? You know, where where it's another one-on-one fucking sport. This isn't a team sport. This isn't, you know, it's not uh, SBG versus Black Zillions. They, they don't have teams. They're, they're individuals. And they negotiate whatever they negotiate. And if that's health insurance, then maybe they should put that in the contract. Hey, I want fucking health insurance. I want a pension plan. I want... You can negotiate whatever the fuck you want to negotiate. If it's important to you, then fucking hold out till you get it. But I've worked in unions. I'm a blue-collar guy. Before I joined the military, it I was in a union. And to be honest with you, the military is like a union. You know, it's socialism, basically. And there's good parts and there's bad parts. And the bad part about being in a union is that you get a lot of lazy motherfuckers that get the same thing as the hard-working motherfuckers. Guys like Conor McGregor understand that he is a hustler, he's a hard worker, so he deserves more. Look at Nate Diaz. He says, I'm not fucking fighting until I get a big money fight. And he's done that, and his brother's done that their whole fucking career, and it's gotten him somewhere. It, it took a lot of a lot of fighting. It took a lot of uh, uncomfortability between them and the UFC. But when the you know, when it was all said and done, they got what they wanted. Both of them did. But they had to be willing to put their their mouth or their money where their mouth is and sit on the sidelines and hold out. But Errol Hwani just wants, I mean, does he think the UFC is just going to, it's, it's their obligation to start a fucking union? Well, they don't provide health care. And if somebody gets hurt and they're not training, yeah, they're independent contractors. They have, they have contracts. Everybody, I shouldn't say everybody. I've worked as independent contractors before. I've had where you, you, you get paid by, um, uh, you know, you, you get compensated for this amount of work. It might be per job 
or for this amount of months. But outside that window, you're not being compensated. You're not being taken care of. But Ariel Hwani cares so much about these fighters. He doesn't understand that the fighters have negotiating power. And they have a lot more power than if they were in a union, believe it or not. The only people that have power in a union are the people that are the middle, the mid-ground guys. They take care of the people that are just the regular dudes. Michael Jordan didn't need a union. Steve Kerr did. John Paxson did. If you are the star, you don't need the union. So Conor McGregor is the wrong guy to talk to about a union. I mean, Conor McGregor hit the nail on the head. Who's in that union? You got a failed promoter. You got GSP who's unhappy with his fucking contract. Um, He's not getting what he wants. So that's when he says he wants a union. Tim Kennedy, who has a hard on for the UFC and has a hard on for, for uh, you know, for whatever uh, mistreatment of, of fighters, uh, you know, uh, Cowboy Cerrone kind of got duped into it. He he didn't even realize what he was agreeing to it when you when you heard the interviews. Cain Velasquez, who if there's ever a person that needs fucking health insurance, it's him. Um, and I don't fault the fighters for wanting it. I mean, I'm I'm I am sitting here today in the military with great benefits because the people that came before me fought hard to get those benefits. They sacrificed, and then later people decided to to um, to change some things to to provide for um, you know the veterans and for people that wear the uniform. So that I I, I get that I, I I get that, but I don't have the power to negotiate that, and so someone else has to for me, the American people or Congress. I don't have that power, but I'll tell you right now, if I was uh, a mercenary, if I was working for Blackwater or Triple Canopy, I would have some power of negotiation. If I was, uh, you know, somebody that, um, you know, was in the entertainment field, especially, then you have some uh, power of negotiation, but you don't have any power when you have nothing to negotiate. And that's the problem with with uh, the fighters union, and w- with uh, the health insurance and the equal pay and all that stuff is 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 that the sport is so new, and the 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 fan base is so um, concentrated. There's just not it, it's not quite there yet. It just isn't. But like I said before. You, you guys have to realize that you are making a sacrifice and that you might not get everything that you want right up front. It's like any other negotiation. You got to make some sacrifices and, and you're playing the long game. I, I get it. A, a UFC fighter's career might be five years if he's lucky and he's got to make a lot of money and try to provide it for his family. But, you know, um, I know people that their military careers were cut very short and it's like they're on disability and, 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 and things like that. But, but their disability is, is, is next to nothing. It's hard. It's almost impossible to fucking live on. Um, not to mention their, you know, their, their quality of life, um, is, is so low for, you know, they, and they, and they weren't making tons of fucking money. They weren't, they were choosing to do, to make a sacrifice for the country. This isn't uh, entertainment where they're trying to make a name. They're trying to market themselves. And and I just don't understand why people um, think that if they do something, no matter if it's the military or uh, anything else, because I trust me, I have this beef with, with uh, people I serve in the, in the military with. People think that they, they, they deserve something for doing something for a little bit. They deserve something for the rest of their fucking life. And it's, it sucks. Life is fucking tough. It's a gamble. You don't, there is no guarantee. I can't sign a contract that guarantees I'm going to get something. You know, if I do 20 years in the military, 
then I'll get a, a retirement. But if I do 19, I don't get shit. I don't think people realize that. If I do 19 years of service and I get out, I don't get anything. I don't get any retirement. I don't get any health benefits. The military loves to find something wrong with you at 16 years so they can fucking get you out. But fighters want to fight for five years and be set. Well, I don't know a lot of things that work like that. Except for people like Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey that can show that they bring so much to the table that they can be guaranteed to be set for the rest of their lives for just fighting for a few years. But that's your that's that's on your back to show that. That's that's on you. That's your responsibility. You gotta work for it. And it's not about training. It's not about um I work hard and it's, it's, you have to be creative. You have to uh, be willing to make some sacrifices on the, on the business side. There's a lot of professionals out there that work hard and they're not set for the rest of their lives. Most people have to work for 40 years to fucking be able to retire. I mean, that's just the, the fact they're, they're working a long fucking time in their careers. And if that means that you need to transition out of fighting to another uh, career path, then that's what you have to do. There, you know, n- nobody that watches UFC, uh, I didn't. I didn't sign something that says, "Hey, my sixty-dollar pay-per-view is to guarantee that this fighter on the undercard, after you know five UFC fights, that he should be taken care of for the rest of his fucking life." No, you you are making a choice to 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 pursue this path. And it's only the top percentage of people that, that, that make it. But it's no different than any other industry in the entertainment or sports. It's only the top guys. Uh, Ariel is, he's trying to, you know, have the, have the fighters back. And, you know, that's great if they can come up with some kind of pension system or uh, insurance and all that. I, I, I think that's fantastic, but you're still going to have people that fall in between the lines that they're not being taken care of or they don't make what they should be making or or um, or whatever. It's, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, when I worked in the comic book industry and I used to do comic book conventions, I remember one convention I sat next to, I think his name is Gil Gerard, and he played Buck Rogers in the 80s. And I don't know what else he's done, but obviously he's not fucking killing it in movies and TVs right now because he's at a fucking comic book convention in like Des Moines. <clears throat> Just signing pictures for like 20 bucks. He's signing his fucking autograph. And he was kind of an asshole. I'm not going to lie. I mean, but I probably would be too because he used to be at the top of the world, a huge TV show, and then it just kind of dried up for him. And he had nothing else to fall back on. So he has to be Buck Rogers for the rest of his fucking life. And he has to try to do these stupid little comic book conventions and all that stuff. Well, you know, that is the sacrifice that you made. That is that is the deal that you made with the devil when you decided you wanted to try to be an actor and not be a fucking engineer, an accountant, or a school teacher, or a cop. You know, uh, when I talk about another podcast that I'm a regular guy working a regular job, well, that's the trade-off. Is I don't get the glory, I don't get the fame. People will say, oh, you gave up on your dreams or whatever else. But, but I have a lot more control over the destiny of my life than some UFC fighter in a lot of ways. At least that's what those UFC fighters are telling me. That's what Ariel Hawani is telling me is that they don't have any control because if they, if they had control, then they would all be making millions and they would all have everything that they wanted. But, but that's the point. You want the glory. You want the, the gratification of I'm following my dreams. Then it comes with sacrifice and there is no guarantees. For some reason, we, we have lost sight of that. that. That's what makes fighting more compelling because you're fighting for something. You're fighting for survival. And that means if you're going to win, someone else has to lose. And, and I don't know where, we've, uh, where we got this notion. 
in this country that everybody wins and everybody should be compensated equally, but that's not, that's not the American system. It's never been the American system. And, uh, you know, when people say Dana White makes so much more than the other fighters and stuff like that, I mean, you must live in a fucking bubble because that's every business is the guy at the top. The president is always making more money than everybody else. You know, well, Roger Goodell and the fucking, you know, NFL doesn't make more than Tom Brady. Well, because Tom Brady has negotiated more because the same guy who pays Tom Brady is not the same guy who pays Roger Goodell. He has a different fucking deal. But the same people who pay Dana White are the same people that pay Conor McGregor. So if Conor McGregor is worth more, then he should be getting paid more. But you'll see real quick, demand $300 million for your next fight and see if you're worth as much as Dana White. You're going to find out real quick that you're not. Like I said before, all you got to do is test the market and you'll find out what your true worth is. And so, you know, Ariel Hawani... You know, I've been a fan for a long time, but, you know, you just kiss the ass of these fighters because, uh, of course, that's how you make your living. And I, and I get that. You're, you know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's great that you've turned what your story is fantastic, where you came from and where you're at now. But you're trying to keep that train going, just like UFC fighters and everything else that that, uh, you know, you that, that's why you panic so much when you lost your gigs. You got nothing to fall back on, right? I mean, you're a journalist, you can cover other sports. That's what you were talking about possibly doing. Um, But, you know, you, you, you're starting to get that entitlement too, that you, that you deserve, that you're a made man. Um, That's a dangerous thing when you start feeling like somebody owes you something, that you're entitled to something because anything can go away tomorrow. Anything, any job, any career, it could be wiped out. But that's the beauty of life is when it's all said and done, you look back and go, wow, I was able to sustain this. I was able to, to fight and scrap and, and, and modify. And, and I, and I made it work long-term. Uh, but, but it wouldn't be great if it was guaranteed right out of the gate. Ariel Hwani is who he is because he made himself to be that. Nobody gave it to him. Nobody says you get to be the name in M- MMA media. You made yourself that, Ariel. Nobody gave it to you. Nobody had your back. You had to make it. Well, these these fighters are in the same boat. Is you che- you tested the market, brother? What you did is you got fucking pretty much banned from the UFC and you went on all these talk shows and bitched and complained and whined and to your credit people had your fucking back because you tested the market and said hey Ariel Hwani is no longer a reporter and people did not like that and so the UFC backtracked and let you let you back into the folds so you tested the market but guess what if the market said fuck you Ariel we don't give a shit about you we don't care that you got fired we don't care that you lost your job then you'd be gone and it's not unfair because the market didn't want you but the market did. And that's how the market works. So, you know, that's why union is never going to work anytime soon because you're going to need guys like Conor McGregor. The, the guys that are for the union, they're always in the same, they're always the same type person. The Brennan Schaubs, you know, that has an ax to grind with the UFC. You know? <clears throat> the Ariel Hawanis. It's, it's GSP. It's always the people that they feel like that they got slighted in some way. And I get it, man. I've been there. You know, I'm, I, I live in the real world. I've, I've had companies that I had to say fuck you to, but I also walked away from them. You know? And one thing I've never understood is walking away from something then later bitching about it. Well, what's the bitch about? You walked away. You're no longer doing it. So why are you complaining? You know? Uh, you're, you're off doing something else. So go do that. Okay, um, I think I covered pretty much the gist of 
of um, I keep wanting to say a press conference, but it was it was an interview that was televised or on pay per view. And and before I sign out, I just want to reiterate again that I'm glad I got to watch this because I really thought. Yeah, that's what I forgot to bring up. You know, what what made me want to watch it is last night I read something that Conor McGregor said, fuck the UFC. And then a reporter then asked Dana White, hey, did you watch the Conor McGregor um, interview? And he said, no, I haven't had a chance. And he goes, well, he said, fuck the UFC. Completely out of fucking context. Completely uh, lost integrity that that journalist just threw it out there because supposedly this journalist fucking said it. Or watched it. And if he didn't watch it, then journalist reporting on other stories is not journalism. You have to go to the source, the primary source. That's journalism 101, people. Is you do not, I don't hear a rumor or an opinion and then report on it. No, you hear a rumor or an opinion and then you investigate. And then you ask questions. You go to the primary source and then you go to another source to verify that source. And then you can report on it once you have make sure that it's coming from a reputable source or that you're hearing it with your own two ears. So this reporter's like, hey, he said, fuck the UFC. Then Dana White, of course, said, well, you know, if it's fuck the UFC, then, you know, Conor McGregor, it's, it's going to be an, an epic fall. And then people started reporting that that's what Dana White said. No, Dana White said, if he said this, this is what I say. But people are just saying, bam, Dana White, Conor McGregor, they're trying to make them fucking fight. Conor McGregor has the utmost respect for Dana White and vice versa. But the media, this is why Dana White hates the fucking media. This is why that people like Ariel Hawani lost their job to begin with because of this irresponsible reporting of this fucking sport. Because people want some fucking Housewives of Beverly Hills bullshit instead of the integrity of the sport. I don't need that shit. There's enough drama in the ring. If you don't think that Conor McGregor and Khabib Nedigamedov is a compelling fight without other bullshit, then you're then you're in the wrong sport. You need to go watch something else. I don't need all the other stuff. Now it's great if they promote it, and it's great if they go in a press conference and they're talking shit to each other. But the behind the scenes of, you know, did you hear Dana White fucking said something about Herb Dean? It's like. Man, who gives a shit? Let them work that shit out. I'm not, that's not why I tune in. I don't tune in to see a beef between a fucking promoter and a referee or a judge or an athletic commission. I mean, that's all, you know, kind of in the background. And it, and that's one thing to read about it and to, to report on it. But to make it what our sport, what I say our sport, but this sport, because it's not mine. I'm just a fan. But to make it about that, you're doing disservice. You're doing discredit for what the fighters train and work so hard for. And they don't train and work hard on all that other, you know, drama bullshit. You know, who stole whose girlfriend? Who gives a shit? And so when this reporter asked Dana White, did you see it? And then said... What he should have said, because then I watched it, because I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit, Conor McGregor saying, fuck the UFC? Well, fuck Conor McGregor. And I went on this whole tirade about how, fuck Conor McGregor. Because I was doing the exact same thing as I was commenting on something that I just saw. In my defense, I just saw it, you know, and I and right before I started the podcast, so of course I, I commented on it. But then I went back and said, well, let me watch what he actually fucking said. So I could put it into context. And what he actually said was more to the effect of, um, you know, I, I'm i going to do what I want to do, and uh, this is important. And, you know, he's like, fuck boxing, fuck UFC, fuck this, fuck the. He didn't say, f- like, fuck you, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to deal with you anymore. He was saying, you know, he was focusing on his family and what was important. So fuck all that other shit. This is, he, it was completely taken out of context. He, he didn't say fuck you to the UFC. And no matter how much Ariel dug 
Conor McGregor always gave respect and always said, hey, that's, you know, I would like to do this. I would like to do this, but I, I want to be on good terms with the UFC. That's what I got from that is I want to fight Floyd Mayweather. I want this amount of money. I want prom- my own promotion company. I want stock in the company, but we got to sit down and talk about it. It's not my way or the highway. I have respect for them and we'll see if it makes sense sort of thing. And that's completely reasonable. But when somebody is trying to make something into nothing, you're not, you're only hurting the organization. You're only hurting the fighters. You, you want the fighters to be on good terms. You, you have to make sure that you're accurately reporting stuff. You can't just say this, this, this person is making this amount of money. I've heard Ariel say, oh, this, uh, this person's not getting paid very much. That's not fair. And then he'll turn around and say, but this person's making, you know, like Sage Northcutt's getting paid $50 million in his first fight. That's not fair because this guy's only getting, it's like, you can't have it both ways. You know, Sage Northcutt brings fans to the table, no matter if you like him or not. And so he deserves more money. So why are you mad that he he is getting something that you think the other fighter should get? Shouldn't you be happy of the ones that are getting more money? So no, you're just wanting to stir shit. You're just wanting you're the guy that will sit there behind closed doors and tell, hey, you know how much this guy's getting paid? Just to piss people off, just to stir the shit. Well, how much are you getting paid next to me? Well, hey, I got this podcast. Aren't I an MMA journalist now? Do I deserve the the money that you make? Why not? Why can't we make it fair? Oh, because you get a fucking million downloads and I get two. Oh, okay. Well, guess what, Ariel? That fucking makes sense. You deserve more money because you bring revenue. You bring something to the market. You bring fans. And so when you report on something, you already bring something in to the table so you can sell advertising and do whatever else that you might do on your fucking podcast. I don't know. But that's the open market. That's the free market. You're never going to hear me complain that I should that I deserve something unless I can make it for myself. You know, lastly, my advice to whoever's listening to this, something I learned a long time ago, but you know, be careful what you wish for cuz you might get it. And then once you get it, who knows if you really wanted it. And that's my last take on the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather thing. Is he might get this fight. And it might it might hurt him in the long run. It might hurt his credibility with UFC fighters. It might hurt his credibility with the public. Who knows? I trust that McGregor is smart, but you know, Ronda Rousey was extremely smart too in her marketing and she fell fast. Nothing's guaranteed in this life. That's why we have to make smart decisions. And Conor McGregor is a great UFC fighter and can go down as the greatest of all time if he focuses on what made him great is taking on all challengers. And to sit there and say that there's no challenges for him in the UFC or mixed martial arts right now, you're being irresponsible if you uh, agree with that assessment. Because in 145 and 155, there's still a lot of compelling fights for him. He doesn't need to, to fight Floyd Mayweather. He doesn't need to look at boxing. And that's my advice as a fan. Boxing fans, UFC or uh, uh, WWE fans, movie fans, they will turn on you. They will not have your back. As soon as you're not in the limelight, they don't give a shit. Hollywood will stop fucking calling. And then you're going to need those MMA fans. That is what made you famous. And that is what you should focus on is being the greatest in that sport. Once the Michael Jordans and once the whoever start going to another sport, 
they realize that those people don't have your back. So I hope that I see Conor McGregor in 2017 in the octagon. It's a shame if we see him uh, go down those other routes. And I said it before, I'll, I'll watch that fight. I would love to see him fight uh, Floyd Mayweather. But no matter if he wins or loses, I don't know what it proves. I, don't, I really don't. I don't, I don't see uh, the, the reason for that circus sideshow. I mean, what does it prove? It proves that Floyd Mayweather is past his prime, that uh, Floyd Mayweather underestimated him, that Floyd Mayweather, um, you know, uh, whatever. He's too old, he's lost a step. Or if he beats up Conor McGregor, what's that proof? Well, Conor McGregor wasn't a boxer and he was fighting the greatest of all time. Um, you know, and he goes back to MMA as a is not a as shiny of a star. But he beats up Floyd Mayweather that makes his star bigger as far as non-MMA fans. But what's what's it do for his MMA credibility? It doesn't do anything. So when he goes back in to fight Nate Diaz and he fights with and he says, "Well, I'm a boxing champion." Well, so was James Tony. It doesn't mean anything if you beat somebody in a boxing ring. I mean, you said it yourself, it's not real combat. So I don't understand what he's trying to prove because he's not trying to prove anything in my opinion he's just trying to get paid and hey that's great that's that's awesome but you are you're going to lose credibility when it comes to great UFC fighters you're you're going to you're going to lose some credibility with the MMA community maybe not uh, the Skip Baylesses of the world but you will definitely not go down as someone that could if you beat Khabib and you beat Tony Ferguson and and you and you beat Aldo again, you beat Woodley. I mean, that cements your legacy. Beating Floyd Mayweather, I don't know that it cements anything except your bank account, which is fine. Like I said, if, if the goal is to make money, then go make money. But if your goal is to be the greatest of all time, you have yet to proven that. You have not defended your belt. You have not uh, taken on all comers. You have not cleaned out your division. Either one. And that's what got me into this sport is I know MMA math does not add up. And so just because he starts Aldo doesn't mean that's how a second fight would go. Just because, you know, he keeps saying, well, I beat him in 13 seconds. Yeah, well, you got choked out in the second round, but you still wanted a fucking rematch, didn't you? And people tuned in for it. Just like we would tune in for fucking uh, Aldo again. Or Frankie Edgar. Or anybody. That's what makes it compelling. Because anyone can lose at any time. Or anybody could win in dramatic fashion at any time. I don't give a shit about 10 ounce gloves for fucking 12 rounds. That is, I'm not a boxing fan for a reason. Because it's, it's not a pure combat sport. It's just a sport. It's not combat. It's combat with with extremely uh, hindering rules. There's a reason why boxing is dying. So that's my two cents. Uh, thanks for listening. This ended up being over an hour long. I thought it was going to be 30 minutes, but like I said before, this is why I decided to do a podcast because I have a propensity to ramble on and uh, talk way too much but you know this podcast if nothing else is saving my marriage so i don't bore my wife to death with all this these conversations that she could give a shit about so <laughs> um please check out the twitter page uh, a foot podcast at twitter or uh, footpodcast.com we're also on stitcher we're on itunes share it with your friends feel free to comment um you know, like I said, I have no pre preconceived notions of where this this podcast is going. This is purely in, enjoyable for me to do, and for me just to listen to in my own fucking truck when I'm driving to work. To tell you the truth, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't have any preconceived notions that I'm going to get fame or anything else from this. This is just fun for me. So, you know, if if you listen to it, please let me know that you listen to it because that's all it is for me. Is it's fun. And 
and maybe I can learn something. Maybe some conversation get, can get started. And, uh, I would love to hear counterpoints to it. You know, everybody that I, that I talked about in any of my podcasts, um, you know, whoever I, I have the utmost respect for Ariel Hawani, Conor McGregor. Uh, I'm just a fan and I love the sport. So talk to you guys later.